Neil Patel here. Thank you for downloading the latest episode of the Indian Startup Show. So today I speak with Kumar Sivestin. He is the co-founder of OptiCredit. Uh, OptiCredit is an artificial intelligent powered data-driven online lender that provides credit to people across India. And since demonetization, they've actually seen a 300% increase in applications. And we're also mentioning Forbes. So as you can see, they're doing really well. Uh, so in this podcast, we talk about how we got started, uh, what actually is AI, demonetization in India, and how it actually works. And uh, we also talk about why formal credit is hard to get in India. And he also talks about the vision of the company. Uh, Kumar also tells me what first-time founders should be focusing on. So please enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, Kumar. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Hi, Neil. Thanks for the opportunity. Please tell the listeners a brief overview of what you're building, please. Hi, uh, my name is Kumar Shivatsan, and I'm the founder and CEO of OptaCredit. Mm-hmm. OptaCredit is basically an artificial intelligence-powered, data-driven online lender yep. um, with a, basically a branchless lending model. We try to make uh, unsecured credit available to every eligible applicant. So eligible here means uh, not the rigid norms that traditional lenders like banks and financial institutions have uh, made us believe, but credit worthy is basically uh, every data assimilated and understood, which gives us a 360 degree view of the applicant. Mm-hmm. So we have tried to make it available to every eligible individual and the small business uh, across India. Mm-hmm. And our first step is now uh, we started tying up with uh, companies who want to associate uh, with us so that they can make Opta Credit as an online lending platform available to their employees. Okay. So this okay. is something that uh, they feel uh, is, is a step forward in the employee well, welfare initiative uh, part of it. And uh, right now we're getting a really good traction. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, can you remember how this got started? So I think in around, somewhere around 2014, it was the time I was actually uh, in Ernst & Young as a senior consultant in the uh, banking and financial services insurance space. I was consulting a lot of uh, large banks, traditional institutions, uh, huge financial uh, conglomerates mm-hmm. and that was also around the time when actually a couple of my friends actually went stepped out of the corporate ladder and they were trying to do set up some practice of their own mm-hmm. and mind you these guys were actually qualified chartered accountants or MBAs and um, uh, and they try actually tried to uh, get a line of credit so that it could be helpful uh, in setting up their their practice but uh, the biggest the biggest uh, surprise was they were actually rejected and this was to a person. This this happened to a person who was very close to me. And uh, at the time, I was in the uh, banking consulting space. So I went to a few banks and actually wanted to deep dive, understand why that a person who is so creditworthy on the outside mm. was rejected. And to my surprise, their definition of creditworthy seemed to be having a person having a credit. I mean, a bureau footprint. A person having uh, standard repayment capacity. It was the other way around. They were trying to fit the customer with, into their uh, um, uh, rigid norms. It was like trying to fit circles into squares. Mm-hmm. It was not the other way around. You had to fit the uh, underwriting mechanism uh, to how uh, a customer wants it without losing any, uh, uh, any without diluting anything on the uh, credit worthiness aspect. There are multiple ways to do it. Mm-hmm. So that was around the time I wanted to say, boss, uh, and fintech was a little nascent at the time in India, two years, couple of years back. So it was the time it was a little booming and... Uh, I was very keen on doing something in the financial services space for a long time. So combined with that, the uh, I put in my papers, a year-long research happened. So I went on the ground, found out that uh, this was something that was uh, widespread. And to my shock, close to, I think uh, India has a, a 
bureau coverage of only 22%. This is the latest World Bank statistics. So that means 78% of eligible adult Indian population are not do not are not covered by bureaus, credit bureaus, mm-hmm. which a credit bureau report is necessary for uh, for uh, all formal credit institutions because of which they are automatically excluded. So this was something that was wrong and. Uh, uh, and somewhere in 2014, Omidya uh, had come out with a report which stated that 400 million Indians, I mean, 400 million people had borrowed money, and uh, close to only one in seven were actually approved for a formal loan, which means that remaining six, seven were actually pushed towards an uh, informal uh, credit system where the rates of interest going to be extremely high. This is even worse in the business loan segment. So, as I said, after your uh, long research, I just pulled in my resources from myself and family. And uh, with a little help from uh, others, uh, started this venture. Mm-hmm. So this is where we are right now. And uh, we also needed a RBI uh, license for our non-banking finance company because we're going to lend out of our own books. Excellent. Uh, so you started in two, 2014. How's, how's it going so far? Can you share some stats? Uh, oh, you know, how many how many people are going to the website? How, how many loans you processed, etc. Perhaps. Okay, 2014 was the time when the idea was actually started. Idea started forming. 2015 was the time actually we hit the ground and we actually received license a couple of months back. So we've been lending for some time now, uh, not uh, a few months actually. And um, what and we were really surprised to find out that uh, a large number of applicants are so called are from the so-called affluent uh, uh, class because our product is attuned to provide uh, cash flow stability to all individuals. And we were a little surprised because we this was something catered to a low and middle income segment of the entire economy. But we got we started getting a demand from uh, someone whom we would define as a little affluent. And um, after the prime minister's demonetization uh, fortnight back, the number of applications simply skyrocketed. Uh, skyrocketed. There's, there's a there's been a 300% increase in the number of applications, and because of which actually we had uh, small coverage with Forbes as well. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And, <coughs> Obviously, we have a listeners uh, outside India. Uh, if you can st- just explain what that demonetization is, please. Yeah, so um, basically, in, in a single line, demonetization means uh, making a certain set of currencies invalid. So they they are not accepted as legal tender. So the, the idea could be, uh, various ideas could be the reason for demonetization. It happened uh, twice earlier in India. This is the third time it's happening. Right now, the reasons, uh, 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 the reason for the, uh, this move seems to be eradication of black money. So black money is basically money that's outside the system that's never been taxed. So it basically is uh, cash that's removed from the system that's not going into direct economic activity. So uh, and also uh, demonetization results in uh, making counterfeit money invalid. So counterfeiting of old notes now is no more profitable. And the government claims to have brought in a lot of security features which are going to prohibit or make counterfeiting that much more costlier. So this removes Havala, that is law uh, money laundering, this removes counterfeiting, this removes terrorist funding, drug money. So every day we get to hear news that a lot of uh, illegal activities have come to a standstill. There are no more, uh, even today I read a news stating that uh, every person from Supari killers, all these contract killers from the, uh, from the underworld, uh, sorry, all these guys are now jobless, which basically means that uh, that these guys will sooner or later do something desperate and get caught. Mm-hmm. So this has been a brilliant move uh, by the government. But yes, there is going to be short-term pain. But uh, because of the swiftness with which the government has come out with and, and then the surprise factor has actually caught everyone off guard. And um, yeah, there is going to be some pain, but I think it's all... Uh, 
for a for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, you mentioned AI powered. Uh, what what does that specifically mean? So, okay. Uh, so, if I need to boil it down, so artificial intelligence is basically a, a set of algorithms, machine learning algorithms put together mm-hmm. to try to understand a set of problems to identify patterns to help us solve a problem better. So, in our case, if you look at uh, what I was stating earlier, um, I was saying that a lot of applicants uh, were actually looked at only from a certain point of view. That is, if you had a bureau score, you were eligible to apply. If you did not have bureau score, traditional lenders would reject you. Mm-hmm. But uh, if we started, we needed an engine that would help us also look at various data points. So basically, I am trying to tell every data uh, that I am able to pull out, pull out about an applicant is relevant enough for me to underwrite and uh, provide some credit scores internal credit scores for us to provide loans to. So if you look at it, uh, every applicant uh, who comes on our uh, Opta Credit platform, we pull in close to 800 to 1000 actionable data points. So every data uh, says something about the person and we and we try to, over a period of time, train the engine to find out what it means. So it could be as simple as someone uh, paying their rent on time. That is basically not a positive, but someone defaulting on rent is a negative. Mm-hmm. So every, every so it's a combination of such analytical tools, such analytic, such algorithms, and it keeps on retraining the engine over a period of time. Uh, we start providing pages uh, to points that are might that, that might have been totally uh, rend- uh, I mean thought as useless. And similarly, the vice versa. We can we I mean we will totally remove importance to points we which we thought were extremely crucial. So this is what. AI in simple means, and it's helping us to find out patterns in uh, data sets that we had no clue about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what does the law say about this? I mean, I mean, can can anyone do this then? Uh, so, I mean, there are various models in alternative lending in India. So, we are a niche uh, in the space mainly because we are an we we are an online lender, but we lend out of our own books, which means we require a non-banking finance company license. Mm-hmm. So there have been a lot of uh, uh, coverage on the uh, alternative lending space in India, but the majority of the players have been either marketplaces or peer-to-peer lenders. Until now, they have not been regulated, but Reserve Bank of India uh, has brought out a white paper which uh, which states that they need to get some apply, uh, some licenses as well. Uh, for us, this is a mandatory license if you are going to lend money out of your own balance sheet, out of your own money. Um, so getting an NBFC license is not that easy because uh, RBI tends to look into every data point, a track record about you, whether you have the minimum net loan funds to take care of uh, the NBFC license and also lending operations, whether the, key, the management personnel uh, have the uh, basic track record or, or uh, the experience to do the job and also the various due diligence to, to, to verify the, uh, uh, the eligibility of the applicants. So this is something that is extremely crucial for us. And going forward, I think uh, RBI uh, is going to look a lot into our NBFC license. Mm-hmm. Excellent. How, how do you make money out of this then? So it's a, it's a simple model. So if you look at it, lending is basically uh, getting money at a lower, uh, lower interest rate and start uh, lending it at a higher interest rate. And the gap is basically your spread. So that is similar in this case, but what we have done is stripped away all the unnecessary factors like removing branches, marketing, because we tie up in case of personals, because we tie up with closed ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Closed ecosystems here necessarily mean employer. So where data or near, uh, near real-time data is available about the applicant, mm-hmm. from which we can authenticate the uh, applicant's uh, data input. Here, it is going to be the, the, the person's employer. So because we sign up with them, 
uh, what happens is it, it removes the marketing cost totally. It removes the uh, necessity, uh, necessity to uh, keep physical branches of become brick and mortar setup mainly because data is going to uh, we we have a sign up uh, tie up with all these employees where they provide validated data about their employees. So irrespective of where they might apply from any corner of uh, India. Um, we start um, we start pulling in data about them, which means we remove a large portion of the cost away from uh, our, our our internal costs. That which basically going to be marketing, um, uh, employees, all OPEX related costs are going to be removed. So this basically allows us to play with a lesser cost away, allows us to make available lesser cost of interest to all our uh, applicants, but at the same time help us retain our spread. So this is something that is a little uh, unique. I mean, handful of players only in the entire uh, country doing it, and we uh, try to go down the employer-driven path. Mm-hmm. So are you going to stick with India then, or are you going to branch out into different countries? Uh, for the for the short to midterm, we are going to stick to India, but we do have plans of uh, I mean, uh, taking our learning, providing our uh, credit as a service platform to other countries as well. But going international is only. Uh, a few years down the line, it's not going to be in the, in the short to medium term plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what, what would you say is the vision of the company then? Okay. Uh, there, okay. So if you look at it, there's a, there's a, a large section of uh, eligible applicants in the Indian economy who are totally left out of formal credit. So our vision is a combination of making available basic financial services to every eligible applicant in uh, as uh, short time as possible, but at the same time, credit is basically an anchor for Opta Credit. So we, we over a period of time, uh, Opta Credit will evolve into an online financial services conglomerate, right from providing uh, insurance quotations, uh, providing uh, services relating to factoring, etc. So that's what we are looking at, and um, this is something that's basically not been uh, done anywhere, barring the one or two guys probably in China. Everyone's focused only on one vertical, but once you start getting uh, traction on one vertical, cross-selling other areas is going to be that much more easier. And we want to make available OptaCredit as a one-stop shop for all financial needs mm-hmm. online. And with the advent of uh, Digital India, Make in India, and also this demonetization move, there's going to be a lot of rich data that's going to come into the ecosystem. So basically, data for us is oil because we are not uh, dependent on physical range of data or physical range of applications or additional documents for us to underwrite an applicant or assess an applicant. What we do is because the data is going to become that much more richer, we're going to get greater insights into every applicant. So I think digital lending is the way forward and probably somewhere around five years down the line, we are viewing ourselves as a serious player and a serious contender to all the financial services and totally go online. Uh, our 2020 vision is to have a, a billion dollars asset under management, and um, I think uh, this final push has come from the Honorable Prime Minister and the Government of India by way of this demonetization move, and we are on track. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's let's talk about you then. Uh, what's your role within this company? Uh, designation wise CEO, but everything from uh, paper boy, courier guy, everything. To attending meetings, so though I do take care of uh, sales, so I have a uh, I have another colleague who's also taking care of uh, business development and strategic alliances. I do take part in that as well. But my uh, strength currently is to provide uh, inputs to the credit scheme, which have been um, uh, a large part of my uh, 
uh, time involved with EY was with discussing bank, discussing with banks and financial institutions to find to find out what were the gaps in their processes. So what we've done is we uh, I've used those learnings and compressed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now it's an extremely uh, quick turnaround time that we make available to our applicants. And I we and uh, I'm trying to get more out of those learnings and um, trying to make the process that much more slimmer and uh, faster. What is your lead- leadership and management style like? Are you more of a hands-on or hands-off person? Uh, it's a combination of both. There are certain areas that I would definitely only listen to. I would take uh, better advice from my colleagues. But there are certain areas I am a little confident about. And I, unless I'm convinced otherwise, it's uh, everything's open up open for discussion. But there are certain things I feel very strongly about. Um, that includes certain product-related features, even for our personal loans. Um, as I said, Marketing, digital marketing is something that I leave it to the specialist, but I always am a hands-on person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the decision-making is left to them. That's how I operate. Okay, cool. And what was the, your, um, what was the opinion of your friends, families, and colleagues when you told them about this idea? Uh, so it's been a long journey, if you might have noticed. So uh, 2014, mid, I quit I did a year-long research and started somewhere around 2015 and got my license a couple of months back. So it's been a long journey. So the first year was basically uh, enthusiasm, though there was a lot of skepticism involved. And luckily, my family has always, family has always supported me. But uh, when I put in my papers from a well-paying job, my friends did uh, probably say, "Okay, why do you need to take that risk? Here, you mean two years down the line, you'll get a couple of promotions. You'll be on a much grander pay scale. Why do you need to do that?" But something within me said, "Okay, this is not the. I mean, uh, this is not going to be my way forward. This is not going to be how I'm going to visualize myself in the future." And uh, uh, that time there were a lot of people who advised me, okay, it's better you know, you avoid taking this risk. But uh, I think uh, over a period of time, your journey actually justifies uh, what you've done. And uh, after the first year was a little tough because there was a very less clarity about which direction I had to take. Once the research concluded, then I started applying for licenses. Mm-hmm. So it was basically a long journey, a long journey in the wilderness. But I think uh, uh, two months back when we were actually we actually went live, so that too actually justified uh, people telling boss we've done it, we've been there, I've gone into the wilderness, come back, and now uh, when we start onboarding companies, actually validates a lot of uh, things that we we had done earlier. Now people see uh, tend to see the uh, uh, the logic in our idea, the the the, the um, advantages of actually quitting but it's, it's a journey that not I don't think everyone is meant for you need to be a little um, uh, perseverance the word I'm actually I'm trying to focus it might be a little cliche but that is simply the only thing that's going to help you when you're actually trying to start up mm-hmm. would you say it's fun yeah it is fun it's, it's a calm it's, it's a roller coaster right so there are some fun days there are some days that you actually might feel like quitting but uh, you just sleep over it and the next day you're back to normal that's how I actually try to uh, um, tied over all those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fun element basically comes in when you're even proved wrong and even proved right. So there have been times when we've been actually laughed at. So that's actually fun because we laugh it all internally. But I say we take it day by day and uh, it's been only a growing experience and I don't think uh, we'll stop, we'll have, I'll ever stop learning from this experience. Excellent. Uh, last, last few questions then. Um, what should first time founders be focusing on? Okay, there are three things that uh, I've actually found out that a couple of my uh, co-founders, I mean, of our founders and other startups have done 
mistake so luckily i am in a i am in a segment where demand is and doesn't need to be created it is existent you, you need to tap it but there are other sectors where you need to do your research before jumping uh, there's a product market fit that i think a lot of people actually do not do you simply cannot develop an app but yes iteration is part of the process but you need to actually find out what problem that is you are exactly solving so whether it is a, an impulsive purchase whether it is an a necessity purchase what type of sector you are in what type of problem you are solving is is a huge problem uh, is is a huge necessity you need to map it out rightly and second is you need to get a team yes when you it's during the ideation stage you might as well uh, do it on your own but you definitely need a team and i would suggest you get a co-founder who you have the right vibes with it there's there's no uh, there's no point in having an uh, having a co-founder who is extremely brilliant but you don't gel with the person right you need a proper co-founder and uh, luckily i have been uh, i have a proper co-founder over here uh, perseverance is the final thing which i did say earlier get up uh, it is it is cliche but uh, uh i did laugh at all those quotations which used to come a couple of years when i read them a couple of years back perseverance only thing but now i understand it, it there's there's nothing better than uh, perseverance to get your startup up and running you might hit a brick wall you need to iterate again go forward you might you might hit another wall iterate go forward it's it's an unending journey but uh, i feel at the end of the journey the learnings are so huge and uh, what you get out of the experience is so huge i think it is worthy but you need to probably uh, be able to withstand the interim period which is going to be a little tough but i can assure you but the end journey is extremely fulfilling mm-hmm. excellent um so last question then uh, if someone wants more information on up to credit and and yourself what must they do just go to our website that is www.optacredit.com and uh, you can mail us anytime at contact@optacredit.com and we'll be there to help you out. Brilliant, Kumar. Uh, thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Neil. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for bringing us on board. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks to Kumar for coming on the show today. If you want more information, go to the website, uptogreat.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a comment in iTunes. Thank you for supporting the podcast. If you have any feedback on the show or want to come on the show, please email me, hello at neilpatel.co or tweet at Indian Startup SH. Or please go to facebook.com forward slash Indian Startup Show. We'd love to connect. Thank you and goodbye.